Hello and welcome to the Good Growth Podcast. Uh, on this episode, we'll be debating, discussing and reviewing what we've learned from our guests during Series 1 uh, and providing you with the key takeaways from our theme of digital and diversity in business in this series. Um, all six episodes are available for you to go back and listen to in full. And, and joining me here to review what we have learned in this series is a former client of ours at O2, uh, and he's now lending his expertise and support to our marketing activities at Good Growth. It's Tommy Ruta. Welcome, Tommy. Thank you, Dan. How are you today? I'm keeping well. How are you? Yeah, I'm very, very hot, very hot, but all good. Good stuff. Um, now, you've listened to uh, each podcast in the series, and I'd really like to get your thoughts um, on our guests' comments and respective industries. Should we, let's get, let's get cracking, let's get straight in. We'll start by going back to last summer. Uh, I sat down with Darren Top, who's former CEO at BHS uh, and is now, L, now CEO at LK Bennett. June 2019 was a terrible month for retail. Uh, and there's no doubt that in the last 12 months that retail has certainly remained turbulent. Um, what stood out for you from what Darren said, especially given now what we know a year on? Yeah, well, I thought it was, as you say, really interesting. He said June 2019 was a really difficult year for retail because this year you would have thought is even even worse. Um, I think the main thing that he talked about that resonated with me was how much the high street changes and how dynamic businesses have to be. But unfortunately, it's not just about how dynamic the business can be, but also what the restrictions are in place, you know, with government laws and legal restrictions that hold companies back from really adapting and being agile and doing what perhaps they want to do, um, but their hands are tied a little bit. And I think that when he talked about the future of the high street, there's definitely a future for the high street. And I think this is one of the themes that came through, actually, a lot of the podcasts was as much as we all get excited about digital evolutions and the possibilities of technology, you cannot beat that human interaction for certain things in certain industries. And retail, I think, is one of those things. I personally have got quite fed up with the amount of times I've sent things back from online shopping because it just hasn't fit or it hasn't looked how it has been advertised. And uh, therefore, you know, there's the place for the physical retail element there. Um, I also think that the way that retail landscape is going to change, and Darren touched on this, that it's not just about shops in the traditional sense but you know leisure centers cafes that's far more prevalent and mind gyms is something that i'm starting to hear and read a lot about and people focusing on their mental health and how can the high street you know facilitate opportunities for people to dive into that so i think he's spot on that there's there's so much that is still going to change and it's really important for the brands to be able to change but it's not always all within their hands so it's a it's a tricky situation for sure an industry that you may not immediately think of uh, when you say digital is education. Um, but the requirements to apply digital effectively and intelligently in student recruitment um, are only increasing. Again, it's another industry who's, uh, due to recent times, is now going to become almost totally reliant um, on digital for student recruitment, certainly hmm. in the short term. Um, so same, similar question, how applicable are Jane Chafer's comments um, of the University of Exeter for this new academic year and, and what, what what we're set up to, to, to face here. Yeah, again, it's a really interesting one because when I went to university about 10 years ago, you know, I was sold on open days and I, I fell in love with the university I went to based on that open day. So it's an important thing for students, particularly at that age where you're, you know, people are naturally young, 
less experienced, maybe a little bit worried, a little bit cautious about going to big cities, you have to feel comfortable. And particularly when you're thinking about international students, which Jane talked about, it's very hard to communicate that without getting open days in. But with the evolution of video and how how much have we all relied on Zoom, for example, in this lockdown? It's been incredible. It's been a lifesaver. I think that is going to be the future for student recruitment in universities. It's to use channels like that. And Jane touched on it how Instagram, for example, has now been such a, a key channel for prospective students to come and check out the university. And, and I just wonder how big are the channels like TikTok going to be where you can really show the character and really get under the skin of what the university is about. Do you think universities actually are going to have to maybe go one step back a bit and actually sell the university experience, not just what you get from Exeter, but maybe the university experience as a whole? Because there's going to be inevitably some doubt as to whether university is the right thing for uh, 17, 18 year olds now. Mm. Very true. And I, I would certainly think twice about it now with the not only the fees, how much they've gone up over the last 10 years, but also sort of the necessity for a university degree. Like there's so much young people and anyone can learn digitally by getting qualifications online. Um, yeah, I really wonder how the, the pandemic has altered how courses are going to run in the future, but also therefore how the universities can still try and recruit people to come physically. Um, or whether it does open up, you know, a whole new category where people can come study at your university remotely and it's far more popular and the tools are there for, for us to, to use. I just want to jump ahead to the podcast with uh, Margaret Madonna, um, mm. who talked about diversity in business. I thought she gave a fascinating insight um, into the link between data and diversity and how actually diversity in business has multiple layers to it. What did you think of uh, Margaret's comments? Yeah, like you, fascinating. It it almost knocked my socks off. Sadly, some of the stats she was she was throwing around in the sort of FTSE 100 leadership roles. It's um, it's scary, and it's it's something that has to change. And I think diversity was one of these themes that came through. Actually, even though Margaret's conversation was about diversity, it, it came up in almost every other podcast as well. That it's key. It's key to understanding the customers truly. I think one of the things when you spoke to Jane from the University of Exeter, your first question to her about students, she immediately came back and said, well, we need to segment those students. And it made me realize that every segment has a subsegment, and probably every subsegment has another subsegment. And there is a level where you need to stop segmenting, but we also can't just blanket assume that a group of customers behave in a certain way. And I think that diversity element that um, Margaret talked about there is so key that we have to address it. We have to consciously get into the data and understand how our firms, our customers, businesses, colleagues are being represented. And ultimately, what insights we're bringing into the company to then be able to communicate correctly to our customers. Because you can't talk to your customers if you don't know who they are and if you don't understand what drives them, what behaviours they you know, conduct. So really interesting one. It was quite shocking in a way. Um, but good to hear therefore because it's something that we can all be capable or culpable of that it's something that we don't necessarily always think about firsthand. American Dawson she's uh, a, a trailblazer in digital advertising uh, she talked to the change in dynamic between agency um, and the client relationship uh, and as well as you know the need for a reboot of the agency model um, what jumped out for you in what in what she talked about? 
I, th I thought this one was fascinating. I've, I've got to say, I don't want to say I've got favourites, but this was a particularly interesting one for me. As I was very interested in agencies when I was younger. And I think she really hit the nail on the head when she talked about how a lot of agencies now think they're bigger than the clients themselves. And it's true, right? You know, whatever line of work you're in, if you develop a successful brand and you start getting good recognition by the people you're working with and winning awards, there's an element of ego that is going to be attached to that. But I thought it was really worth noting that there's a fascinating book that I've read called Ego's Enemy. And when she talked about the word ego, I thought that's really interesting because you can see it in the advertising world. You can see how the flashy lights, the flashy campaigns often take over from the fundamentals of what that agency is there to do. And when Mary was talking about agencies having products and just trying to shoehorn them to businesses, I've seen that. And you think the, the agency here is not serving me and what I need. They're serving their own agenda and they're trying to make it fit for me. And I thought that was just a really interesting dynamic that maybe people didn't see coming. Um, but in all honesty, it doesn't surprise me that it is that way now. And I think that's why smaller agencies often therefore have a, a niche value in that they might not have the same scale of resources, but they'll have that authenticity to be serving the client because that is their, their foremost value. Our final two episodes were focused a bit more on um, the need to adapt to change and perhaps set up nicely series two, which will be about innovation. Um, our penultimate episode, Phelan Mackle, he outlined a lot of uh, key criteria that businesses need in order to be able to really embrace innovation and adapt to change. I thought this was a clear and simple yet often overlooked message. It was simply you've got to look after your own people and you've got to look after your customers. Mm, I definitely agree. And I, I was I was lucky to be at O2 when Phelan was on the board there. And the whole board at the time, they, they were fantastic. They, they really were the customer at the heart. That was what the the punchline was, but it, it wasn't just a punchline. It was through the DNA. And you could see that through the way they looked after their people with being able to work from home. Phelan talked about it actually at the start of the podcast that working from home is a real blessing. Right now it is. And I think Rob spoke about it, how they weren't set up to work from home at the start of this pandemic and they had to change that. And I, I just think it's spot on. And, and one of the, the themes, again, that I think has come through this, that Phelan spoke about a lot, but the others as well is in a way are our employees more important than our customers? And I, I get feeling we'd, we'd always say customer at the heart, customer is the number one. But actually, if your employees aren't best in the best place to serve your customers, your customers aren't going to get served. So I thought it was a really interesting positioning that Phelan sort of ticked through my, my mind there. Um, but the other part I thought was fascinating was his term digital. And again, I've been in businesses where you have the digital directorate or the digital team. Those days are gone now. Digital has to come through everything. And he was he was spot on when he was saying, you know, how is the customer experience digital? How is the employee engagement digital? How is the sales process digital? It's it's not a director anymore. It is embedded through the DNA of the company. And I, I thought that was a really fascinating way of looking at how digital has really taken over in uh, in modern times. Absolutely. Um, and we've, you just mentioned that there, Rob Muller, uh, CEO of QVC UK, he was our final guest of the series. He, again, addressed how the business has adapted um, broader strategy in terms of its shift from just a tele-shopping channel to a more omni-channel approach. Um, but then again, also in recent times during the pandemic, having to they, they had they had staff who weren't capable to work from home. They had to turn around that extremely quickly and just to service the need of the customer. Um, any any other thoughts on on his interview? Absolutely. Again, I think it's it shows the the dynamicness of the world that we live in these days and how the high street changed 
Rob's world of TV selling has also changed. And I was actually very surprised to hear, I think he said 60% of their customers are still coming through the traditional TV purchasing channels. And, and to me, that is an outdated channel now, but it's still fundamental to their business. But he still acknowledges they have to look at the broader omni-channel experience and where those channels are. And it got me thinking that so the way social media is evolving at the moment and that you can buy through Facebook now, I think WhatsApp have now announced you can start to buy products through WhatsApp. It's almost like that transition has gone from the retail high street to online websites. And now it's going further from websites into web social media profiles. And I wonder what's going to come next. Like with the teleshopping channel, ch uh, channel, they've obviously got a very loyal audience. Um, uh, but it is one, that, as he admitted, that it's one that won't be sustainable um, on its own for a long time, uh, period of time. That's why they've got this, uh, their online shop and their more omni-channel approach. He's really confident that QVC will thrive during this time because of a, a community approach of a lot of their audience. Um, that, mm. that, trying to link that into your point there, that you think um, you know, social media and, will play a big influence in online, in online shopping. Um, QVC sound like they could be well set up to capitalise upon this. I think so. Say so he spoke very confidently of their, their plans to, to do that and put the customer at the heart and think about that omni-channel experience. And it, it makes sense. I mean, that's why that's why the series has been so good, Dan, because the episodes all tying together. It ties into what Phelan was talking about. The customer has to be at the, the heart of what you're doing. And if customers have previously always shopped in a certain way and they're your loyal customers, there's nothing to say that their behaviour won't slightly change and we need to be ahead of that curve and spot that. And I think that's what Rob was talking about, always trying to think about the future before we're there. And, uh, you know, there's that famous quote from Henry Ford who was saying, if you ask people what they wanted back in the day, they would have said a faster horse. You know, they weren't thinking forward in the right way, which we do continually need to do as business owners, particularly when the whole digital market is changing so quickly. So really uh, diverse series on digital and diversity, um, different industries, different uh, job titles. But you spotted a couple of recurring themes through the series. Can you share what you think those are? I did, yes. So my, here's one I did earlier. The, the five areas that I thought stood out for me was number one, and it, we, we know this, but data and insights are the key to decisioning. It came through throughout. You need to understand your customers. You need to get those data points. Only with the data can you make the insights to actually make sensible solutions and suggestions for the marketplace. Number two for me was that dynamicness we talked about. So change is always happening and you have to adapt and plan for it. Rob was very smart in adapting quickly, for example, to working from home with their employee task force. But, you know, could he have planned ahead with that and saved themselves the two weeks stress that it took to, to do that ultimately? I think number three was you have to be unique and different and that doesn't come from just sticking to what you know. That has to come from diversity. It has to come from different cultures, different sexes, different ages, different influences. Number four, and this is something that we all, as I say, can't get, we can't forget in the digital world. We are all human beings. We all have human traits. We all get tired. We all get hot and sweaty in the sun. We get stressed. We get worried. You cannot forget that both human, that both customers and employees are humans. And finally, uh, this is what we talked about with the, the failing point was, are our people, in terms of our employees, starting to actually become more important than the customer itself? And I think the COVID-19 situation has really put that into the forefront of, of our minds because some businesses sadly haven't been able to support their staff and therefore they've not been able to support their customers. 
and it's just um it's something to think about because the customer is always key but that's for me that's the next step who's serving that customer it's the employee i recently did a to give it a metaphor i recently did a first aid course and the constant comment that was drilled in was who's more important the rescuer or the casualty it's the rescuer every time if the casualty's been hit by a car and the rescuer runs in without thinking about themselves and they get hit by the car everyone dies but the rescuer has to look around make sure it's safe to cross the road get into the road pick up that casualty and then deal with them that's my summary on that thank you that's very that's very, very very good um finally then what are if you what are the three actions if you were to give three uh what would the three actions be that you think e-commerce leaders should consider after listening to the this series of podcasts i would say have a look at your data see where are you understanding your customers still how are you talking to those customers as rob talked about it's that community element it's not just about data points on the screen but real conversations so understand your customers again understand your people think about that that diversity how well represented are your customer bases in those internal conversations Number three, I'd really think about your employees and are you putting your employees first? Because ultimately in this world, we've all got so much choice as customers, but also as employees. And yes, the job market might be a bit tricky right now, but that's not going to stop people going off and doing their own thing. So if we're looking after our employees in the right way, they won't be tempted to go elsewhere and they'll be focused to serve your customers the best that they can. Tommy, brilliant wrap up. Thank you very much. Um, and you won't have to wait long for Series 2. Uh, first episode of Series 2 will be coming out in July as well. But Tommy, thank you very much for your time. Uh, much appreciated and uh, look forward to seeing you again, perhaps for Series 2 wrap-up. Absolutely. It's been my pleasure. Thanks, Dan. Cheers, Tommy.